You're listening to the Daily Reflection Podcast, messages of experience, strength, and hope from members of the recovery community. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Today is January 14th, and it's a special episode. This is the episode, the first time that Lee appears on the show. She appeared as a guest and read the Daily Reflection for January 14th, and I shortly thereafter asked her to join the podcast and and help me build it, and uh, she did that, and I guess the rest is history. Lee is a a phenomenal human being and uh, has a very inspirational story. She helps a lot of people. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I threw my life away for 48 years. And that was almost unbearable for me to think about in early recovery. Today, it is my equity. It's what I have. It's the only thing that matters to me is that story. So then I can sit across from another woman and say, me too. And so what I tell new women is, stick this thing out and you are going to change lives. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael and today is January 14th. I'd like to welcome Lee M. from the Northern Virginia area. Hi, Mike. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, Would you help us out and read the Daily Reflection for today? Of course. So the Daily Reflection for today, January 14th, is no regrets. We will not regret the past, nor will we wish, nor wish to shut the door on it. And that's from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 83. Once I became sober, I began to see how wasteful my life had been, and I experienced overwhelming guilt and feelings of regret. The program's fourth and fifth steps assisted me enormously in healing those troubled regrets. I learned that my self-centeredness and dishonesty stemmed largely from my drinking and that I drank because I was an alcoholic. Now I see how even my most distasteful past experiences can turn to gold because as a sober alcoholic, I can share them to help my fellow alcoholics, particularly newcomers. Sober for several years in AA, I no longer regret the past. I am simply grateful to be conscious of God's love and of the help I can give to others in the fellowship. No regrets. Uh, so how how does this resonate with you? And, and why, Lee, did you select this particular daily reflection? Well, actually, I could have picked several of the daily reflections that you offered up. Um, this one is particularly meaningful to me, though, because I regretted everything. I, I lived in constant shame constant fear of being found out, constant guilt. And one of the biggest gifts that I've gotten out of sobriety is I literally do not have regrets anymore. I have, I have some, you know, oogie kind of feelings every now and then when I think back on stuff, but, but, you know, no regrets. And that's, that's a promise actually that reading out of the big book comes after step nine in the big book. It's part of the nine step promises. And uh, I read it when I was newly sober, you know, right off the bat. Um, I remember hearing the promises and I thought, yeah, that's never going to be me. And uh, here I am and I have no regrets. And that's a beautiful thing. It sure is. And how long are you sober now? So I just celebrated um, nine years on January 1st, just my nine year chip. Uh, it's it's crazy, really. When I think about it, it. So it, tell us tell us a little bit about your what brought you to the rooms and what what uh, led you to uh, to do this thing we call the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been drinking and drugging pretty much uh, my whole life. I I was thirteen when I I actually drugs brought me in and alcohol took me down. So 
Uh, drugs are a part of my story. I drank and used alcoholically and addictively from that point on. Um, and it looked lots of different ways, but I was 48 years old when I, when I finally got sober. I actually tried to get sober the year before on the same date, January 1. I was sober for a few weeks and um, I went on a date and I couldn't go on a date without drinking. It was a, it was the first date. And uh, I had, I had stopped for three weeks, no program, just decided to stop um, and had to go on this date and decided to drink that night to be able to do the date. And I thought, well, I'll just try, I'll just do it again tomorrow. And that last year of drinking was uh, the darkest time of my life ever. I tried every single day for the rest of 2011 to stop. And I just could not stop. I didn't realize until that, that next day that I tried to stop that I, that I couldn't stop. I had crossed over to where I no longer had the power to, to stop. And it was just, it was a, it was a dark, terrible time. Um, all of the you know stories everybody tells, I, I did not know uh, how to stop. I, I couldn't live with it. Couldn't live without it. Suicide seemed the only option that I could think of, but I had a, 17 year old son at the time. He's now 26. And, uh, he, I I wanted to kill myself, but I wanted to do it in a way that he wouldn't know that I had killed myself. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think about the insanity of the way that we think when we're out there. And in my mind at the time, if I died, it would have been better for everyone. But if he thought that I killed myself, it would have been an awful legacy to leave. So I didn't want to do that. But I was trying to figure out a way to do it. And one of the things I know about how I was out there anyway, is that the things that I thought I would never do, I I eventually did. And it still frightens me today to think about how long it would have taken me to actually decide that it wouldn't have mattered. But it was that bad. Um, I was sick. I was sick all the time. I was hungover. I was um, drinking every single day to pretty much blackout at night. I was taking... um, the pill form of alcohol during the day just to get through my day. I I never thought that I had DTs or anything like that, but I took the pill form of alcohol in the morning just to get through the shakiness that I thought was low blood sugar. I also had anxiety all day, so I took it for that. And then at night I would pass out and wake up four or five day four or five hours later and and have to take the pill form of alcohol to go back to sleep. So it was a bad year. I was I was working, I was traveling a lot for my job. And I was drinking in airport bars. I was drinking in my hotel room. I was passed out on the couch during the day when I was home, you know, waking up 10 minutes before any meetings that I had to have, BSing my way through those. I mean, it was so bad. Um, I had pre-planned actually in October on my birthday that year. Um, I was on a flight back from Phoenix and drinking on the plane and I convinced like half the plane to drink with me because it was my birthday. And I was, I went to an airport about an hour away from my home, drove home completely intoxicated, fell down in the airport. But the very next day I made a commitment that I was going to dry out for 30 days. I was going to do like a 30 day cleanse, but I wasn't going to do it till January. (laughs) Couldn't do it tomorrow. Had to do it in January. And that, that was my plan. And I, and I told everybody, I mean, the wheels were coming off the thing. People were starting to notice what I thought was I was keeping away from everyone. I, I wasn't. And so I planned a, a 30 day cleanse and um, 
on day one, I had to, on January one, I had to stop because I told my son and everybody I was going to stop. And, um, about five days in, I was talking to somebody about, I was planning my drinking already for the 30 day cleanse to be over. And it was something like, you know, I'm only going to drink when I go out to dinner. I'm only going to, you know, and the person actually sat me down and said, you know, if it's okay with you, I want to share with you some of my observations of your drinking over the past year. And it was the first time anybody had, had faced me with what I thought I was hiding. And so, um, I was, I think I was five days sober at that point. And two days later, I went to my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, by the grace of God and the steps of this program and the fellowship, I have not picked up a drink since. Well, the last drink was December 31st. So I have no idea. You know, I just picked up a chip and I I don't know how. (laughs) I don't know how. I know what I did, but um, it's just a miracle. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Before you quit in that way, it sounded like there were a couple of things that you tried. I certainly tried some of those as well. The fast, the, I tried running marathons. I tried switching what I drank, when I drank. What other, what other ways did you try to, to stop drinking? It's so funny you asked me that. Um, first of all, there's a whole page on me in the big book. I think it's page 32 and it talks about all the ways that we try. I tried everything to quit drinking except the actual quitting of the drinking. I actually, my funniest story is that I went to a, and we didn't talk about this beforehand. It's just funny that you asked me. I went to a, an Ayurvedic practitioner and a girlfriend of mine had gone and, and I guess we were talking about drinking. I don't even know. And she had gone to this guy and she was telling me that he took her cravings for alcohol away. So now she drinks normally. And I was like, Oh, okay. So, um, I had to drive an hour and a half to this guy. I paid him 350 bucks. He asked me a bunch of questions and he gave me a potion and it was a little, a little potion in a little bottle and, and ironically, he told me to put a few drops of vodka in it to preserve it. <laughs> and, and the idea was I was supposed to do three drops of this three times a day and it would take away my cravings. That was one of the ways I tried. That did not work at all. You know, I tried switching, you know, from for a while, I thought that the wine, the sulfates and the wine were making me sick. You know what? I, I literally stopped drinking because of the hangover problem. I was so sick and I couldn't function. Hmm. that if I, if I could have solved the problem of the hangover, I might have drank, you know, a lot longer, but gratefully I I wasn't able to do that. But, you know, I tried switching alcohols. I tried, I had a girlfriend and I, we used to meet once a, once a week for goal setting sessions on Mondays at lunch, which by the way, I could barely get to. Hmm. I mean, my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous was at 10 AM on a Saturday. And I was blown away by the fact that I was anywhere at 10 AM dressed, looking okay. Um, but I would meet my girlfriend and on, on Mondays at noon. And I remember telling her, I, I don't know what, you know, I, I have a problem here and I don't know what to do about it, but I'm sick all the time. And I, you know, and she's like, well, why don't you try, you know, just drinking like on Fridays? <laughs> um, and I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work. Uh, you know, give me some other idea. And she said, well, you could just try drinking one or two. And I, and I got angry with her because that just wasn't an option for me. Um, not drinking every day wasn't an option. Not drinking till I got pass out drunk wasn't an option. But I tried, you know, I went to counseling. I mean, I've done it all. You know, I've tried, I tried to quit three weeks, uh, 
for three weeks a year before that. I actually had quit six or seven years before I came into the rooms for four months and 10 days without a program. So I just, I tried a lot of things. Um, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is that alcohol was the solution to my problem. And the minute I took alcohol out of the equation until I came into AA and started working the steps of the program and found a solution other than alcohol, which is the God of my understanding and living a spiritual life connected to other people. Before I found that, you know, you, you wanted me to stop the, the only solution I had. I mean, my problem was I was uncomfortable in my skin. I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I felt like I was leading a double life and I was leading a triple life really. Um, and it was hard to be me. It was hard to walk around and be me. And, uh, the only thing that made me feel better was, was, was drinking or drugging. And, um, and I was the life of the party when I drank and drugged. <laughs> I was a blast. Uh, I have the worst singing voice in the world, but I sang karaoke like nobody's business when I drank. I mean, it, it fixed all the problems that I had. So without a program, there was just no way that I could do it, regardless of what method I tried. Do you think you were born an alcoholic? Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, I was born into unmanageability. Mm. Um, I was born into a family with a lot of ism in it. That's for sure. Um, mm. And I what, I, that, I, what does that mean for folks that are listening that may not know what that is? The disease part, the brain, the, the part that centers in my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, I feel, I, I always call my ism in search of more. The ism for me was just, I, I just didn't feel good enough. I didn't feel part of like I belonged. I was just uncomfortable. And, uh, Bill Wilson says we're a people of nervous disposition. I was definitely a person of nervous disposition and, and, and I just had general anxiety and the difference between us and everybody else in the world that has nervous disposition is that alcohol fixes it. So was I always an alcoholic? You know, I, I have my theories on that, but I'm, I'm not a scientist or anything. I think, yes. Uh, I think I could have gone my whole life without showing outward symptoms of it, like the drinking part. But the minute I put alcohol in my face and it fixed everything, I mean, you know, mm. there was no way around it. Do you have to avoid alcohol today? Do you have to avoid when friends are drinking or where it's served or when you travel? No, um, I don't choose to be around it a lot, but I can be around it today. In fact, you know, my, my family all pretty much drink. Um, my son and my daughter-in-law and everybody drinks. So when I'm with family, they're probably drinking and no, I'm okay. I mean, I've worked the steps. I continue to work the steps on a daily basis and I check in with people and if I feel uncomfortable, I leave. But no, I don't need to avoid it anymore. But I did avoid it for quite a while. So what does your program look like today? It sounds like you have a really full life and that, that's wonderful. What what is uh what does the program look like for you today? I go to a, a lot of meetings. I, I don't I, I would I guess I go to about three to five meetings a week. Uh, some weeks I go to eight. <laughs> some, some weeks I go to two. Uh, I, but I'm very plugged into AA. I sponsor women in the program. I have about five sponsees right now and they're all working the steps. I'm actually in a couple different programs. So, um, I'm in AA and I'm also in Al-Anon. I did time in Codependence Anonymous, uh, and I sponsor women in both, both, uh, AA and Al-Anon. I go to meetings. I do service. Uh, I was very active in 
in local service. And I actually chaired the Virginia State Convention one year, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I like being around people that that do service. I haven't done as much this year. Right now, the bulk of my service looks like sponsorship, but I'm very, um, I, I'm pretty, I'm not anonymous. I shared with you earlier, I'm, I'm pretty out there in the world. I feel very compelled to end the stigma and share about recovery. So uh, I'm active that way. You know, I post things and and share. I don't talk about AA, of course, but I do talk about, uh, I, I let people know I'm in long-time recovery and that I don't drink or take drugs. So yeah, I'm active. AA is not my entire life. I AA has given me a life back. And so I, I do live my life. I have friends outside of the program. I do things outside of the program, but I stay very, very plugged in in the center of the boat because that's where I'm safest. Someone listening to this might be really new and might not know much about the program, uh, and maybe they're just dipping their toe in the water. What advice do you give to to the really the newcomer? Get to meetings every day. Uh, the, one of the gifts I got in early recovery was I was laid off. I had lost my job, uh, so I went to four or five meetings a day actually. And now with Zoom, you know, get to as many meetings as you can. Uh, I've heard people go, "Well, you're now you're a meeting addict. Yeah, but it's not going to land you in jail, and it's not going to land you dead. So get to as many meetings as you can." Definitely get a sponsor, read the literature. Don't worry about whether you understand it or not, but get somebody to read the book with you. I think when I sponsor women, we read this book cover to cover and we do the steps through the book, get into the steps as soon as you can. But more importantly, just don't drink today. Just no matter what I tell women, you know, you can eat a whole chocolate cake today. If you want, you can, you can sleep all day. You can do whatever you want, but do not take a drink no matter what. And you'll be okay. So, you know, I guess I tell the advice I give to people is it's hard in the beginning. There, This is not for sissies, but it's not as hard as, as drinking and drugging continuing on. That is hard. That's a hard life. I never want to go back to that. You know, if, if you don't drink, you're going to put time together. And if you put time together and you're working this program, you're going to earn a life that is beyond anything you can ever imagine. And it's so worth it. I, you know, I, I thought I had to stop. I, I thought I had to give up my life to, to quit drinking. And it turns out that I actually got more of a life than I, than I ever imagined. And I, I've got a relationship with a higher power that I don't have the ability to define for anybody anymore. I used to be militantly I, everything. I mean, I've been Buddhist and Christian and Taoist and all this, all the, all of them today. I don't, I don't have a definition for it, but I know what it feels like. And it's, it's given me my, you know, I have myself back. I have a relationship with my higher power. I'm connected to human beings. You know, this, this daily reflections is about no regrets. There's something in the big book that says, uh, I think it's in the family afterward, you know, where it talks about how we have to share our stories with people that it's, it's sort of. I mean, let me just read this to you. It says, showing others, this is on page 124 in, in the family afterward, showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. The key to life and happiness for others with it, you can avert death and misery for them. I threw my life away for 48 years. 
And that was almost unbearable for me to think about in early recovery. Today, it is my equity. It's what I have. It's the only thing that matters to me is that story so that I can sit across from another woman and say, me too. And so what I tell new women is stick this thing out and you are going to change lives. And, and all the shame and all the misery you feel is, is going to be your equity. And that's huge. So um, there was a, I went to a meeting once years ago and this girl was sitting in the back and they were talking, I don't know what they were doing announcements or whatever. And, and she's like, I, you know, raised her hand. She goes, I, I don't know if I actually belong here. And uh, I don't know if this is for me. I'm just here. You know, I don't know. And the guy, the, the chair said, girl, if you don't know if you belong here, I would lie to be here because this is the best show in town. And it's true. I, I feel sorry for everyone out there that doesn't have a 12-step recovery program because this is the juice. Anyway, a little bit passionate about it. <laughs> I can tell. I love it. I love it. Well, I want to thank you so much for spending time with me and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Anything else you want to mention? Anything you want to tell people before we wrap up? Just keep coming back. You know, you are worth it. You are worth it. You know, I... I'm a coach. I coach a lot of women and, and I, I tell people, you know, everyone has that magic in them that we need. The earth, the world needs you. Every single human being has magic that they have to share with the world and we need it. And the only way that we're going to get it is if you stay alive and do this thing. I don't know what I'm missing. I'll, you know, I can't wait to run across all the people that are going to share this cool something with me that I need to need to have. So just stick it out. You're worth it. Lee. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day.